You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series, a Salt Studios production. A love of STEM subjects was alive within Louisa Panuccio from a very young age, thanks to her grandfather. But while Louisa was a great student and got really good grades, her education wasn't without problems that would impact her ability to study. In this episode, Louisa reflects on her high school and university education, an eating disorder, and explains why she's on a mission to change how society sees intelligent people. Louisa Panuccio, thank you very much for having a chat. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. All right. Well, cast your mind back to your high school education. When did you first realise that you loved STEM? I think it was actually quite early on. So I think it was primary school, to be honest. I was always interested by science, technology, engineering and maths. Um, And unlike other kids, I knew a little bit more about them than usual. The reason being my nonno or grandfather, he was very passionate about education and reading. And so when we were younger, he had the biggest collection of encyclopedias I've ever seen. And what we would do is we would read them and then he would create games to test us. Um, So he built us like a basketball ring. And if you got a question right, you could shoot a hoop or sometimes he did it with money. So if you got a question right, you got paid. And I really liked the science encyclopedias. They were the ones I think I gravitated towards the most. And so did my sister and so did my younger cousin. And all three of us are now engineers. So I think there was something in my non-law's method. When you were at school, were you the only ones interested in those sorts of things? Because they're not the most common subjects. Something that I definitely noticed while I was at school was that it wasn't popular to be smart and it wasn't the cool thing to like science and maths. And in primary school, that didn't really bother me. I still really liked them and I enjoyed them. As I got into high school, particularly in year eight and year nine, I started to get a little bit bothered by the labelling nerd. I really don't like that word. I think it's a terrible word. I don't think it's correct for describing people who are essentially geniuses. And so in year eight and nine, while I was still getting really good grades, I wasn't very vocal about that and I sort of hid that and I also... You know, I was hanging out with a group of people that prioritised going out and partying over studying and probably wasn't the best group of friends for me and I'm no longer friends with a lot of those people. I went to an all-girls high school, so I stayed friends with a lot of the girls who I actually met in my science and maths classes. So in terms of of that then, was that like a a conscious decision to get rid of some of the people who were a, a negative influence and focus on the ones who could actually benefit your life? Or was it just, did just happen naturally because they're out partying and you weren't? It started to happen, I think, in year 12 more than anything. So in year 12, to me, that was a really important year. And I was focusing on a certain ATAR because I wanted to get into engineering. And so I really pulled back that partying and going out and I was focusing so heavily on my education and so I was spending a lot of time in particular classes like I was doing physics, chemistry, specialist maths and math studies and so I spent a lot of time with the girls in those classes, became really good friends with those girls and a few of them when we went to university, well most of them actually, ended up in STEM careers and some ended up in engineering. And so they were my friends in engineering from the get-go. So you've mentioned there that you've had some good quality friends. You did have your time at high school as well where you were a little bit self-conscious, you wanted to keep things quiet because you didn't want to be labelled with anything. Would you look back on your time and think, I loved high school or was it a bit hit and miss? I think high school had its ups and downs for me. 
I had a really bad eating disorder when I was going through high school and that sort of made everything, amplified everything that was going on. And in year 12, um, something that actually happened to me is I gained a lot of weight really fast because not to get too much into the eating disorder, I sort of starved myself for a really long time and it meant that I couldn't concentrate for long periods of time. And so I would faint quite often. And when I got to year 12, I couldn't do that because I was focusing so much on my education and my studies. I was also college vice captain. So I had a lot on my plate and I just needed the energy. So I started eating. And for someone who really hadn't eaten for the past four years, that was a massive shock to my body. And I started putting on weight really rapidly. And so I put on 30 kilos um, in year 12, which is a lot of weight to put on in a year. And it started to impact my mental health, that weight gain, because I'd always, always struggled with body image. And so that was pretty hard for me. And I also remember getting to the end of year 12 and I got an ATAR. My ATAR was 84. And I remember being so disappointed that it was such a bad ATAR that I didn't even tell people that was my ATAR. I told them my ATAR with bonus points, which was 95. And looking back now, 84 is an amazing score. And I should have been so proud of that, especially because of everything I was dealing with mentally through that year. But I was just so hard on myself Mm. throughout that. Mm. Who was your support network there to help you through that? A lot of it was by myself, to be honest. A lot of people had said to me through my high school years, we think there's something wrong. We think you need help, particularly my mum but I felt like I was pretty good at hiding what was happening. So I would bring food to school and then I would give it to other people and I wouldn't eat it. So my mum didn't actually know that I wasn't eating the food. Uh, I had a high school counsellor who was really good. She helped me definitely. I had a few chats with her and there were some other teachers within the school that were concerned about me and my eating disorder and they helped me. Uh, But ultimately, I think I got through it by myself. I think I got to a point where I was like, you can't do this to yourself anymore. You are hurting yourself. And I think year 12 was the year that made me realize that because I had such a dramatic weight change that I got to the end of year 12 and I thought, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I want to get to a healthy weight and I want to do it the right way. And that's what I did. And I would say that I've been in a pretty good mindset ever since. Is it just pressure that you placed on yourself that that led to that situation, do you think? Or were there other associated elements to it and only talk about what you're comfortable talking about too, of course. So I remember the day so clearly where I started to have issues with body image and self-confidence. A guy made a comment to me about my weight and it really stuck in my head. And I just thought, I don't want people making comments like that about me and my weight. I'm going to do what I can to change this. And then I sort of just became really obsessed with it. I was really obsessed with what I was eating and I really wasn't eating a lot. I was obsessed with working out. So I would work out every single day. Um, I would walk to the gym after school and then work out at the gym. And I was just in a really bad, unhealthy habit with my body image and what I saw in the mirror compared to what I actually looked like. Yeah, I guess a message to take from that is you need to be really careful with what you say to someone about their body because you really don't know what's going on inside their head and how that's going to trigger something like an eating disorder, which for me lasted five years. What's your advice to someone who may be in that position or may be heading down that road, whether they know it or not, to to get the support or to get the help or get a conclusion out of that? I think seek proper medical help. I think I would have got out of the eating disorder so much sooner if I had done that, but I was in denial for a very long time. 
I would look in the mirror and I would see something and I would get very upset, but that's not what I looked like because now I go back and I look at photos and I see someone who is severely underweight and someone who just needed to ask for help. And that's what I should have done. I should have asked for help and I should have told other people. And, you know, it didn't need to be a medical professional to start with. It could have been one of my friends that I was struggling and that I needed help. And also I think if you are the friend and you notice that there's something going on with your friend, she's giving you her food, maybe you should be asking the question as well. Maybe you should be having a conversation with her parents if you feel comfortable doing so and saying, I think there's something up here. I think she needs help. What about teachers or education in general? Do they have a part to play in this as well? And do you, do you think now there's uh, more support networks amongst teachers to be able to identify and, and help students who may be facing a similar battle? Yeah, definitely. So I recently was asked to go back to my high school uh, to speak at the Year 12 retreat. And one of the reasons why the year level coordinator reached out to me to go back is because she knew that I had battled with an eating disorder and she knew that there was a few girls in the year who were having similar issues, but they didn't feel comfortable to come forward and talk about it openly. So she thought if I could go back and share my story and how I overcame it, that it would inspire them to speak up. So I think Definitely educators have a role to play in this. Like I said, a few teachers at my high school noticed the changes in my weight and actually said to me, we think you should touch base with the counsellor. And I did. And she was really helpful in my recovery. You're in year 12. You're studying something that you know is going to be your career. What was that year like for you? It must have been uh, a big change, a big positive change. It started out really positive the year. So like I said, I was one of the college captains and I got to organise the school formal and I love organising events. So that was really great. I was also studying the subjects, which I knew would lead to, I guess, a wide choice of career opportunities for me. So my sister, who's two years older, she had always said to me, you know, if you pick science and maths in year 12, you're really opening up your, I guess, options for university in terms of degrees because you're basically doing the prerequisites for all STEM degrees and then you would be able to pick from any STEM degree. So it started really positive and really good. Um, I then probably put too much pressure on myself. So I deleted my social media and I was very much like, I'm not going to parties, I'm not going to events, I'm just going to study. Looking back, I don't think that was the right choice. I think that started to impact my moods, my eating, everything that was going on with the eating disorder and gaining the weight so rapidly. I think if I had just had a bit more balance in year 12, I would have had a better experience. I don't think looking back, you necessarily have to give up your social life to have a good education and to do well at school. Like at the moment, I work full time. I've got things that I do on the side in STEM and I also go out with my friends and I'm able to balance everything. So I think I would have been able to do it in year 12. I just didn't do a very good job at it at the time. How did you, as best you could, shape your education towards the STEM subjects and then ultimately go on to study it? Picking the subjects in year 11 and 12. So I got to the end of year 10 and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Like I said, I really like organising events and so for a part a part of time I thought I'd go into like events management and do a degree in that. Um, I also did like maths and science. So I thought potentially I'll do a degree in that. I also thought I would do medicine because um, I'm from an ethnic background and it was something that my nonna really pushed on us grandkids. She was very much like, I need a doctor. I want a doctor. So I didn't really know, but I had that advice from my sister, which was 
keep your options open by picking the prerequisites. So at that point in time, the events management degree that I was looking at didn't have any prerequisites. So I knew that I could go into it regardless of what I did in year 11 and 12. But to get into medicine, I needed to have the prerequisites. To get into um, engineering degrees, I needed to have the prerequisites. So that's what, I guess, shaped how I got into engineering is that I had the right subjects and I had the background knowledge as well. And in terms of the way you learn, uh, is it maybe based on year 12, you just throw yourself at the task and make sure you get it done? Or uh, are there other things that you know of that just work for you, like group work, presentations? How do you learn as a, as a student at high school? I'm definitely a visual learner. Don't give me a passage to read and just think I'll pick it up. I need to see examples and I like to also discuss with other people. That's something I really learned in university. So my friend Georgia and I, we would test each other and our knowledge before we'd go into tests for our degree. And I felt like that was the best way for me to learn, to be able to test her and get her to answer the questions. It made me sort of think, do I know the answer to this question? Is that how I would have answered it? I think in year 12, I sort of had this mentality of I'm a one-man team and I can do it. Every, I can do everything and I can do it by myself. But what I learned through university is teamwork is actually really important and you learn so much from working in a team and that's what I do every day now in my job. How important is teamwork to you or, to, or should it be to anyone? So important. Mm-hmm. It is so important. You cannot do things by yourself. As you mentioned, you can't do anything without teamwork, but there are some people who don't like teamwork and there are some people who don't work well in teams. Is there any advice around how to make a team work? I think in high school, I didn't like teamwork because I am a bit of a control freak and I like to know that everything's being done in a certain way my way. Um, And I I don't think that's the best way to look at things at all. That's what I've learned um, in my career through studying engineering as well. My advice would be just take other people's opinions into consideration. When you're working in a group, if you're working with someone you've never worked with before and they want to do something in a different way to how you think it should be done, listen and understand why they want to do it in that way because you might actually be wrong and their way might actually be better. Alternatively, they might not understand your way of doing it. So if you were to share your way, then maybe they would be more open to moving forward in the way that you're proposing as opposed to what they have proposed. So I think it's very important to listen and I think it's also very important to tell them how you're feeling. If you aren't comfortable with something that someone in a group is proposing, tell them why. You shouldn't feel like in a team you can't say what you're thinking because a team won't work well if everyone's not being honest. As a control freak, is that advice you take yourself? I do. I'm getting much better at taking advice from other people and also learning to delegate and not taking everything on. I physically couldn't do everything by myself and I saw how everything fell apart when I tried to do everything by myself. So I think it's very important to ask for help when you need it and take other people's opinions on board. So you got to the end of year 12 with an ATAR of 85, which is exceptional, I might add, even though you didn't believe it at the time. How did you decide what you were going to go and do next? Because you would have had a number of options available to you. Originally, in year 12, I thought I wanted to do medicine. And I sat the UMAT and I did not do very well. (laughs) I got like 33. So that was out the door. So then I thought, okay, what are my options here? And I, my sister was studying engineering already. And so I thought, okay, let's do engineering. That's just what I thought. And at the time, I actually thought I would do engineering for a year. I would try the UMAT again, and then I would go into medicine. That is what I thought, honestly, when I was picking my selections. 
uh, for university. And when I started looking through the engineering list, first thing I realized was there are so many different types of engineering and I was not aware of this, how many different types there actually are. And then I decided on civil and architectural engineering, not so much for the civil aspect, but more for the architectural aspect. I've always really liked drawing. I've always really liked art. My biggest regret is not picking art in year 12. I should have picked it as a subject instead of chemistry. I didn't like chemistry, but I sort of just thought, do all the sciences and maths, keep all your options open. And I should have picked art because I really like art. I really like drawing. And so that's what I guess pulled me towards civil and architectural engineering. It was the idea that I could combine physics and maths and also my creative side and I could learn all the programs like CAD, Revit, Rhino, Photoshop. They were sort of all offered in the description for the architectural degree and that's why I settled on civil and architectural engineering. Was there ever a conversation you had at school with um, someone in a career role or a teacher to talk about pathways for engineering or was it just something you were left on your own to try and find out yourself? So I remember we had like career discussions when we were picking subjects. So we used to have a meeting with our parents and a career advisor before we picked our year 11 subjects and before we picked our year 12 subjects. And that was really helpful because they spoke about the different prerequisites and that's sort of how I learned a bit more about that and what was required to get into different degrees. But at the same time, my physics teacher, so my year 11 and year 12 physics teacher, her daughter was studying engineering. And so she was very passionate about engineering as well. And so she would speak to us about it. And then I also had my sister who was studying engineering and all her friends were studying engineering. So I was really lucky that I had role models right in front of me who were studying engineering. And so it made the choice a lot easier than it is for some people. Was university life more positive for you than high school? So much more positive. I loved university. I loved the friends that I made. I loved my lecturers, who I'm still friends with a lot of them. Yeah, I had such a positive experience at university. Honestly, it was the best four years of my life. What did you do? I mean, obviously, study is a a given, but what other things happened around that? You formed your friendships, uh, you know, what was it? Eating in the hub was a definite highlight at the University of Adelaide. Like, they had such good food options in the hub and I had a better relationship with food by this point, so that was really nice for me. Also, just going out in between lectures, having the freedom to be able to go into the city. So I went to the University of Adelaide and the campus that I was at was North Terrace. So we could very easily go to the city centre and we'd go get frozen yogurt on Thursdays. Um, There wasn't many girls in my degree, but there was my friend Georgia and another girl called Steph and we sort of became the ultimate trio. And we used to wear like matching outfits on certain days and we just really made it the funnest we possibly could. At the same time, I also was heavily involved in volunteering. So I was part of the Faculty of Engineering's volunteering program. And so I was at open days and all those sorts of events. I also started working with Engineers Without Borders Australia and I travelled to India with them on a humanitarian design summit. And that was by far one of the most amazing experiences of my life. So I think I took every opportunity that came my way in university and I was able to manage studying and having a social life. You must have done all right there because you won a few awards at university, didn't you? To be honest, they weren't my awards. I would say they were our honours group's awards. So the awards we won were in final year. And so my honours group was myself, my friend Georgia, my friend Steph and our friend Sam. And 
it was, we did our project was called the design and analysis of sustainable refugee housing and it was a really cool project we came up with the topic by ourselves with the help of one of the lecturers from the school of architecture which isn't the typical process for honors typically they give you a list of projects and you pick from the list but we didn't see anything on the list that we wanted to do and that we wanted to study for 18 months so we reached out to this lecturer in architecture and asked her if she would be our supervisor and we came up with this topic with her and it was such a cool project to do. It was really hard to read about what was actually happening in refugee camps and how long people were staying in refugee camps and also the accommodation that were they were in. And so the idea that we could spend 18 months to develop a better solution essentially was really special to me. And that's the project that won us the two university awards. Looking back on your university education, what's the greatest lesson you've learned which has impacted your career? I think it's about failure. So I failed a subject in first year. There was a lot going on. My nonno, who I spoke about earlier and how much of an impact he had on my life, he got um, sick and he passed away that year. So it was a really hard year for me personally and I failed a subject. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to get a job. How am I going to get a job with an F on my transcript? And so then I thought, okay, I need to overcome this failure. And so in second year, I did five subjects in semester one when you're typically supposed to do four so that I could get that subject back and redo it and change the grade essentially. And then I failed another subject because I had overloaded myself in that first semester. Yeah, I remember thinking, now I've got two Fs on my transcript. How am I going to get a job? And then when it came down to it, through getting a job, I was quite lucky. I got it in like end of third year as I was going into fourth year. They didn't really care about my transcript. They cared about the person that I was. They cared about my soft skills, you know, technical skills. While I did have the background knowledge and maybe some of the subjects I didn't do so well in, they're something that can be taught in a workplace, but your personality is something that you bring to the workplace. And so I didn't realise that that would be valued so highly when I went for job interviews as opposed to necessarily just my grades. I sort of had this idea that they're just going to pick based on my GPA and they won't even consider me if I don't have a GPA of seven. They're not going to want to talk to me when in reality they actually did care more about my personality and also all of the extracurricular activities that I was doing and all the volunteering I was doing. I think that's a really important point there that failure is not terminal and personality is highly desirable in the workforce. Do you have any other advice for engineering students right now who um, are looking to their future? Get a mentor. I don't know why, but I was so against the idea of a mentor. When people had said it to me previously, I just thought, I don't need a mentor. Like I have friends. If I want to talk to someone, I'll talk to my friends. But Then I got into my professional career and again, people said to me, you need to have a mentor. And when I worked at Oricon, it was actually something that they had put in place. You had to get a mentor within the business and they couldn't be from your team. And I had a mentor from the buildings team. So I was in the transport team and he was really great. And I loved talking to him and just bouncing ideas off of him. And then last year I went to the DIT industry briefing Uh, So the Department for Infrastructure and Transport in South Australia, their industry briefing about what projects are coming up, et cetera. And I heard their executive director for the North-South Freight Route, Susanna, speak. And I thought, this woman is amazing. I want her to be my mentor. And so I reached out to her on LinkedIn and said, can I buy you a coffee? I'd love to catch up. And she responded so quickly. And then we became friends and she's now my mentor. And she was in Melbourne recently and we caught up for coffee and it was amazing. And so I think get a mentor. When I was in university, I wish I had got a mentor. I wish I had spoken to someone 
who's in the position that I'm in now that could have said to me, it's okay that you failed that subject, you will be fine. It is not going to impact your career whatsoever. It's, you know, look, it's not a great thing to fail, but it's the most important thing is how do you come, how you came back from that. So I went and redid the subject and I got a much better grade and I learned from that mistake. Are you available to mentor any of our listeners? Yeah, definitely. So I have a mentee at the moment who actually reached out to me after I spoke at an event at the University of South Australia. She sent me a message on LinkedIn saying she was looking for a mentor and if I would be interested and we catch up once a month and she's an absolute star and I love mentoring her and we'll be going out to dinner very soon. Stay right where you are, Louise. We're going to talk to you about your career in our next episode. Listen to the people that have gone before you is one lesson from Louise's story. She had the benefit of an older sister who had gone through year 12 before and knew the subjects that would suit Louise's interests. And let's not forget the importance of having a mentor too. In our next episode, I talk to Louisa about her career and her growing social media influence. You're listening to the Careers Talk podcast series, a Salt Studios production.